Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Advisor Tech Show. My name's Tess Lee. I'm Managing Director of Money Info, and today I am really delighted to be joined by Kathy Harrison, who is CEO of the Verve Group. Hi, Kathy. How are you doing? I am great, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's lovely to have you on our podcast today. Um, so, look to kick us off. Tell us a little bit about you, about your journey, what led you to establish the Verb Group, and kind of how you got into the the financial services industry. Whether you fell into it like most of us do, or whether you you know it was kind of purposeful. Give us a, give us the background. Absolutely. Do you know what? I actually, I think I've always described it as having fallen into it, but I don't know if I did. So I did English and business at university, Mm. Um, but I always tell the story of a boyfriend at the time, his ex-girlfriend had received an inheritance and he'd said, oh, she's received £100,000. She's going to see a financial advisor to find out what to do with it. And it just piqued my interest because I just thought, what well, what would they say? Like, what do you do? You know, £100,000 sounded like this phenomenally huge amount of money. Yeah. And absolutely no idea. Never heard of an ISA. I wouldn't have even known where to begin. So it just, it got my interest. So I fell into it in the sense of I didn't go to university to study it, but I did start actively looking for jobs in the local newspaper. Um, That's how long ago this was. Um, For financial advice firms and got a job as an administrator in a firm. Um, so that was, God, what was I, I'm trying to do the maths, about 2005, so right. yeah, nearly 20 years ago, I don't know what, what, what point you considered an industry veteran, and I don't know how I feel about that word, well, but. You're clearly quite a bit younger than me, so I think if you're an industry veteran, God knows <laughs> I am, I'm definitely a veteran, if that's the case, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's when you're enjoying it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so I was an administrator, I trained up to be a power planner, um, I loved working as a power planner, I loved that role, I didn't have a desire to go and actually advise, um, but I did have a desire to have my own business, so I went freelance in 2009, so 14 years ago, um, with Parasols, yeah. which a lot of people know the brand in finance because it's been there for such a long time. Over the, the 14 years, established a series of businesses, Apricity Compliance, which did the compliance, and the Art of Finance, which for firms who didn't want to outsource their support, they wanted to keep it internal, but they wanted people to come in and train their team on how to do it. That was the Art of Finance. Um, and then the Verve Group was initially just kind of a brand to pull them all together. Mm. Verve in itself then became a trading company, just providing any support that advice firms needed that wasn't power planning, compliance or training. So by the end of two, well, 2021, I had sort of four separate companies, four brands, four teams. Um, but actually our clients were all regulated UK financial advisors. So we yeah. spent the last 18 months consolidating everything into the Verve group. So now there's this kind of for want of a better phrase, one-stop shop for an advice firm, regardless of kind of the, the size of them, the shape of them, um, to just get that kind of overflow human support to help them with their business whenever they need it. Brilliant. And I guess that, I mean, that was kind of going to lead me to my next question about the consolidation of the brands in coming together of the Verb Group. I know that was a, you know, it was a long time coming, I guess, for you, and it was a big project. I know it's very recently happened how's that gone the impact of that you know it's it's a big task isn't it to bring together four separate businesses into one so tell us a little bit about how much fun that was oh it was horrible (laughs) (laughs) it was do you know what I was um discussing it this week actually so I because they were my businesses and because the team were already here in the office 
think I underestimated the impact of still bringing four businesses into one. So I had a conversation this week with somebody where they were saying, if we as Verve went out and acquired another firm, um, you know, what's kind of the thoughts on how we would integrate them? And it was actually this other person who pointed out, you've already done that just because you were the owner of these businesses. Yeah doesn't mean you haven't done it all it meant was that first bit you know like a sale price was easy because it was just yours but all the work around that it's the teams it's the identity it's the culture it's the technical detail it's the contracts it's the websites all of that um was exactly as if it was kind of you know four separate external companies so I vastly underestimated it the biggest um or the longest part of it was as well, each of those businesses had their own technology underneath them that advisors used to access our services. So to complete the restructure, we were building a brand new piece of tech, which was just purely verb. And as an advisor, you can log in, see all of your company, access all of our services, um, which is great, but it also meant that the restructure was in several parts because we could recontract the team, but we couldn't lose the brands because we still had the tech. So... Yeah, it was, it was about 18 months altogether. It completed when the tech went live on the 3rd of July. Um, and is on the other side of it, everything that we wanted it to be, this kind of resetting single team, single tech, ability to work with advisors, everything that they want, scale as much as we want. Um, so definitely a pain worth going through. Um, but yeah, definitely a pain. <laughs> There's an interesting parallel there because we come across this a lot with advice and financial planning firms, particularly with firms that are acquiring and consolidating, and they tend to come together with disparate pieces of technology, whether that's in the back office of CRM. And, and we see that a lot where firms are wanting, I guess, a couple of things, a consistent experience for their clients, which is where, where we come in. But from the underlying technology, they want to have those efficiencies driving. And I guess that's the benefit of bringing everything together. You get that efficiency, you get consistency, you get strong, streamlined processes if you're using the same pieces of technology across across all areas of the business, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of parallels with what advisors are going through and um, you know, for many of us, a tech is this kind of unknown beast. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, a lot of it already exists. Can we not just kind of copy and paste it all into one? Why does it take so long? Why- <laughs> <laughs> I ask them all the time if they can copy yeah. and paste, get the same response. And then the kind of the control of that timing is outside outside of your control. It's not like I could just say, right, you know, guys, move aside. I'll sit on a night and I'll do it and kind yeah. of get us there. And doing that alongside the individual, the culture piece and the identity piece. So exactly that, if you're an advice firm and you've acquired another firm and you're trying to gel this team and you're trying to make everybody feel good, but then the tech um, interaction isn't happening at the same pace. It's, it is a challenge. We did lots around, um, we built an intranet right at the outset and we would just constantly do these milestones like here's the progress this is what we said we're going to do this is where we're at and it helped but um yeah it is it is absolutely a maybe and you know maybe i know a lot of firms especially doing the acquisition now have integration teams and um have um they've done enough of them now over the last few years to kind of learn some of the errors around it but i do still think tech and culture are probably the two trickiest pieces to do independently anyway and then to get them aligned I think is an extra challenge And and the culture piece is really important and we see this a lot because I suppose to some extent you had all your teams together in your offices anyway so they they kind of knew each other and they were part of that that culture but 
for me, that's really important because you've got to get people's buy-in, haven't you? And it's a big enough change when when businesses come together as it is, let alone then saying, and this is how we want you to do things, and these are the pieces of technology that we want to use, and this is the you know the way that we do things. So I think you can't underestimate that that yeah. bit, the people bit and the culture bit, and getting them bought in, and part of that transition process is so so important. It is. Otherwise, it's just it's an uphill battle. And, you know, it's already quite a battle anyway, trying to wrangle businesses and clients and tech and everything into what and so what you need is kind of the weight of your team behind you and kind of pushing it all forward. Um, so, yeah, right. It's so important. So so moving away from that for a second, then what tell us a little bit about what's what are some of the most rewarding? I know your your mission on your website's there, what you want to achieve, you know, you, you, you've got such a positive brand, but what are some of the most rewarding aspects of of your work at Verve Group and what are some of the standout moments that you've had in you know in your career today? Um I think the rewarding parts my my passions I I am passionate about finance obviously I've, I've worked in it for a very long time um, I still enjoy power planning I love all the detail around it I love when you talk to people outside of finance and then you know you can maybe get them a little bit excited by it and they realize it's not as scary um but overriding that my passion is actually running a business and working with business owners so I think for me some of the most enjoyable moments of this journey has been when we've been able to work with firms and um, sometimes it's as simple as they're quite a small firm they'll say outsource their power planning to us um, then they'll get a bit bigger and they'll get to a point where they feel like they can hire a power planner so then they don't need to outsource to us they can have somebody which is great but then we can help them train that power planner or give that power planner some templates and then they'll grow some more so then that power planner is too busy so they'll use us again for the overflow of the outsource and kind of seeing that journey and knowing that that business owner's got that flex to help them grow bit by bit you know it feels really nice that you're kind of enabling that um letting that repeat you know people are people are trans their businesses are changing but they're coming back as they grow they're coming back for for those services absolutely yeah and that's always been kind of the aim is that we're as flexible as possible because like i know as a business owner you know what i think my business needs right now yeah you know could change next week it'll definitely have changed by next year so kind of having that and I guess at the other end of the extreme, we've been doing some work with um, Sam Seek about Women's Wealth and she's built this whole new business model and we've helped with everything from recruiting, we've built all the training for the money mentors as they come in and worked on the marketing side. So again, it's that, yes, you can get the support services from Verve, but from my perspective, what are we actually then doing? We're helping a business get started and and grow and you know hopefully thrive and be really successful in future. And I think that's the the stuff where you really feel like you're having that impact. I guess it's a bit like advisors, like, yes, you might help somebody with their retirement planning, but yeah. when they're making you from a sun lounger and saying thank you for it, like, it's it's that's the point of it all, isn't it? It's that ongoing kind of moments in their, in financial planning, it's moments in clients' lives, isn't it, that drive mm-hmm. the, the interaction on an ongoing basis as, the, as they move through their lives. And I guess it's, again, another parallel with how you've seen businesses move through their life cycle and need different things at different times, which is... It is, yeah. And you hit on something there that, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of change in our industry constantly, isn't it, all the time, whether it's regulation, whether it's, you know, left-field pandemics that suddenly hit us or whatever it happens to be. Um, how how have you had to adapt to that? And, and what do you see as the kind of most significant trends or challenges or things in the industry today that that firms you're working with are kind of facing um I mean yeah the the pandemic was just a whole different level for everybody wasn't it because it was I mean I 
I'm a fan, as anybody who works with me knows, of innovation, of changing. I I actively feel uncomfortable if things stay the same. So I'm I'm very happy to work in an industry. Even when I was parent planning, I always said it's a great career because you're never going to be sat there thinking, I know everything and everything I've learned now will see me through the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, every new technology. Today. You never stop. Yeah, absolutely. yeah exactly that. Yeah. yeah. So then every new budget, you know, there's all new things to learn. So you're constantly being challenged. So I really enjoy that the pandemic was a different level entirely obviously and for everybody and I think there's just something as well about I've got this firm belief that the part of the evolution of financial services is when I started it was still quite old school and it was there was a financial advisor and you know a few people to support the advisor it was all about them and um, now you see more and more they are run financial advice businesses are run as a business first and firms will look at you know what's my infrastructure and what's my operational and how do I get processes and what am I doing about recruitment or marketing and what they happen to do is is give advice but almost it's that kind of business mentality first and I think when you're looking at kind of change and evolution it's important to kind of step outside of finance sometimes and you look at kind of the bigger picture and what's happening in the world and what's happening post-pandemic and You know, a lot of the challenges we think are unique to finance, they're really not, like the whole world, the, the tech integration piece. I'm not a regulated advisor, but I want to log in on a morning and see everything in one place. I don't yeah. think there's going to be a single piece of technology that is out there that is designed for companies that support services to financial advisors. Like That's never going to exist. But if there's a piece of technology that pulls the various bits together that I need, um, that's going to be really powerful to me as a business owner. So that's the same challenge advisors have got, and you know, obviously where you guys are trying to help. Um, so I think the change thing is interesting. I think it should always be embraced. I think across society generally, and within finance. And I do think sometimes doing that and just kind of stepping outside of it and thinking, you know, these problems aren't unique to financial services. They're exacerbated sometimes because of the complexity and the regulation, yeah. um, but they're not unique. But they drive innovation as well, don't they? That's what I suppose, you know, every piece of regulation that comes up drives some innovation, whether, you know, whether it was, whether it's financial services related, RDR or MIFID or consumer duty now, it's driving lots of innovation. And then, you know, lovely things like GDPR drive innovation, don't they? And they change the way that people work and they work with their clients quite often for the better, but it gives us a bit of a momentum and a bit of a kick to actually you know, step outside and and, and make Not make complacent. Yeah, and so um, one of your you've got kind of a wider mission at Verve Group around encouraging more people to join the industry, and you're kind of a a champion, I guess, of how brilliant a career in finance can be. You mentioned it doesn't have to be scary. I guess to to stop people just falling into it now, like we did, because I did exactly the same. Local paper went to work for for a financial advisor, and the rest is history. But the Ver Foundation is part of that. I know you've 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 launched that. So tell us a little bit about the work of the Ver Foundation and what that's all about, because it's really interesting that we're seeing this in in lots of places now. More young people coming into the industry. Para planning is a career now. It's not a support for an advisor or a planner, is it? So mm-hmm. there's lots of opportunities for for younger people and other people changing careers. So talk a little bit about the. The Verve Foundation, because I think some of that came as a result of the, the pandemic as well, right? It did, yeah. Well, so it was a similar, I guess if you go way back, my challenge for growing parasols was that I couldn't find paraplanners because there wasn't very many. Those that were in the industry, often it was seen as a, um, a stepping stone to being an advisor, so they didn't paraplan for long. So I spent a few years in a um, 
in some ways enviable, in other ways not, position of having loads of demand for our power planning service and just not being able to find power planners to support it and to deliver it. So we ended up going down the route of growing our own through the grad scheme. Um, and that's, you know, we put it off for such a long time because it's a slow burner and it'll take at least, you know, two years to train people up and get them their diploma. But then that two years have passed anyway and you really wish you'd started it two years sooner. So we did that. And part of that, um, the way that we did it, nobody was leaving university searching for paraplanner graduate schemes because they just yeah. didn't know they existed. But what we managed to do was get the domain name, the grad scheme. So people were leaving uni and searching for grad schemes. So it put us up there. And the, the positioning of it and the marketing of it at first, it wasn't bang, finance, bang, power planning, where people would just go, I don't know what it is, and, and you know, click off onto something else. And we talk about kind of being a hero and you know the skills that you need in finance and why it's an interesting role. Um, and kind of drew people in from that. And we used to get, and we're going to relaunch the grad scheme soon, when we used to do it, we used to get hundreds of applications from local universities. So it showed that there is the ability to get people into finance, but they you need a way to kind of get in front of them and to let them see what exciting opportunity it is. Um, that frustration, because we did that, but that was for us, that was for us to hire people. You kind of need that, but, you know, time's a thousand and for all companies within financial services all sides of it not just advisors you know tech providers whatever it might be um and the frustration when uh, it had built up and when the pandemic hit and what you suddenly had was um, in particular retail and hospitality were just staring at hundreds of thousands of redundancies mm. Just kind of thought, here's an opportunity for all these people who might have been in these short term, more jobs rather than creators. And, you know, maybe it's hard to attract people to a career in finance when the job market's booming. But when all of a sudden people are looking for a role and not that many people are hiring, is this our chance to kind of get out there and go like, hey, we're here, this exists. Um, so that was the first We Are Change cohort. Like I say, it was the pandemic that kind of gave the opportunity for it to kick off. That's since grown out. So the Ver Foundation, it's a, a fully separate not-for-profit company. Um, it runs a few initiatives. So we do advisor incubators. We help those advice firms that want to um, go directly authorised or take control. Um, we still run We Are Change cohorts to bring new people in. We do education pieces. Any, and we run it as a separate thing. It's not commercial. It's not to give Ver business or anything like that. It's to say, how do we get more and more and more people aware of advice either to come in and get a career in it or even yeah. to feel like okay maybe I can um I can go and speak to an advisor maybe I don't need to be already rich before I can kind of go and get some coaching or guidance or whatever so yeah it's still relatively early days we've, I would say we kind of fully moved into supporting that as a, a standalone entity um at the start of this year um but it's doing phenomenal like the incubator has been amazing it's been shortlisted for seven awards i think this year it's just it's showing that it's there and it's needed and the industry yeah. and, and i guess you hit the nail on the head that a big part of the battle there was people knowing that a career exists in this industry and what it is because yeah. nobody from outside my industry today if i if i said to my a lot of my friends apart from those that are in the industry what's a power planner they wouldn't they wouldn't have a clue they just yeah. wouldn't know um and a lot of people wouldn't know what financial advice is and what it you know what it's there for and what its benefits are what it means so that's and the, and it's the same with fintech you know we've yeah. this phrase you know many years ago now fintech but 
if, if I say to people externally, oh, I work in fintech, they'll go, well, what's that? They don't yeah. know. So that's, it's that education piece that's so important, isn't it? To get us out there, to encourage people to come in and think, actually, that's not a job, that's a career. There's a whole yeah. pathway for me and you can go off in so many different directions, can't you, in this industry? And again, um, it's exactly that. It's the knowledge of there's so many directions in it. Kind of get yourself yeah. in and then you'll see what opportunities there are. And the knowledge of, it is a... Yes, it's regulated. So yes, it, it can feel quite heavy in that way, but it is constantly changing. Like you say, the regulation drives the innovation. So if you want to work in an industry that's going to keep challenging you and that's going to need you to keep developing, then you know it's a brilliant place to do that. It is, it is. And and obviously as a leader yourself in the financial services industry, what if you could look back at your younger self now, what, what advice would you kind of give yourself about if you, you know, people for people that are looking to pursue a career either in finance or to be an entrepreneur and you know get cracking with their own business what, what would you tell your younger self now or tell people that are looking to to get into this space um I think the entrepreneur bits um I'm dangerous with that because I just think everyone should do it <laughs> I did some mentoring ones with different people in financial services and they'd be they were looking for career mentoring and I was like oh no just quit go and do your own thing so um <laughs> Although I do realise it's absolutely not for everybody. I think, I think I don't want to be complacent and I don't want to say, um, I obviously, I think there's a huge amount of opportunity and potential in financial services. That's not to say that there's not still challenges and especially for a female and especially if you're a young female, like I experienced a lot of the discriminatory stuff that holds and sometimes holds the industry back when I was younger. And it's been really topical this week. I've been talking to people about it because one of the things I realised where I thought it had kind of progressed more than it has is because I'm almost in this echo chamber. So I surround myself with people who think similar and who are trying to advance financial services and who are really supportive of bringing in, you know, different backgrounds, socioeconomic, female, everything like that. Um, and because I'm surrounded by that, or because I've elevated myself to a leadership position, some of the negative stuff that does still happen, I wasn't seeing, and it's only been recently, and I've had it highlighted some forums where women are talking about the experiences that they're still having in finance. Um, and I think it was a reminder that there's a hell of a lot to still do. So I think to talk to people about coming into this industry is to also make it safe place for them to be able to do so so yes it's great and there's a lot of potential but also they need to see that there are you know strong leaders within the industry that won't tolerate the bad behavior that used to happen and that should really have been stamped out by now and they should feel comfortable being able to stand up for themselves or to address it or to raise it with certain people again I've had conversations this week with people who are telling me they're hearing about people coming into women in particular coming into finance and dropping back out of it because of what wow. they're seeing there's talent gaps arising there's this kind of you know people like us who've been in for a long time and have kind of managed yeah. to build their way up and there's new people coming in and there's this big gap in the middle of like where's the next senior managers coming from or you know where's the next it leader like there's a whole other podcast episode on that because oh, sorry, no. <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's really interesting because I'm probably in a really similar position to you in that I'm a female leader I run this business I recruit lots of women and people from different diverse backgrounds and all sorts and I and I guess I'm in that echo chamber as well because I've I'm succeeding I've you know I've you know had a great career in finance and yeah probably have experienced you know some stuff in the past but never seen it as a major issue for me because I'm entrepreneurial and I've kind of gone and done my own thing I guess but 
it's interesting to hear that because you hear a lot of people they'll say oh well now when you go to an industry event it's you know there's at least you know 25 30 percent women in there maybe more it's not about that is it it's not no, about the fact that there's, you know there's different heads in the room yeah it's so much more than that so that's really it's interesting and, and sad in a way to hear that women are still having those experiences that it should have been you know relegated to the 1990s when I you know yeah. first started right Exactly. And again, to come back to my earlier point, it's, you know, what happens in finance isn't, um, we're not in a complete bubble, it's happening in the world still. Yeah. It might be in tech, you know, you might see there's a big push on getting more female developers and coders and engineers. And um, until until you're actually within it and you're hearing people's experiences firsthand, you know, there might still be that gap. There's certainly gaps, you know, more broadly. Yeah. And in, there's in few, very few and far between still. Exactly. Yeah. I've won here in the past, but the last business I worked in, no female developers ever. Yeah. We're seeing more, um, more technical, technical roles for females, and we're seeing. I see, I see the odd CV from a, a female dev, but not very often at all. Yeah, and I don't know why that is because it's not a male. It, there's no reason for that to be a male-dominated environment, but it's it's, it's just yeah. I guess you know there's a lot of, um, lot of stuff that we need to get through before we get to that being. There's no reason why. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's yeah. it. I guess, it, you know, it starts off sooner, doesn't it? And like when they're choosing the course and actually yeah. if 99% of people on that course are male, then maybe they don't feel that comfortable and you're, yeah. you know, very um, like low self-esteem period of your life when you're trying to decide who you want to be and what you want to do. And maybe you're just going to do something where you're going to have more female yeah. friends and it can filter all the way through. There's so much in it, but I think the reality of being in an industry and having the um, ability to say something or to do something or to create a space to help more, whether it's younger people, women and um, more entrepreneurial people. Like I, I just, I feel like we've done a lot and I will always talk about what we've done both at Verve Group and Verve Foundation. I'm also feeling like we've barely scratched the surface of I'm honest. I think there's a hell of a lot more to be done and I'm happy to do it. It's a good job you're a woman that likes challenge then, isn't it, Kathy? Isn't it just, I know. <laughs> so look, finally, before we finish, tell me a little bit about what's on the horizon for the Verve Group, what exciting projects, uh, initiatives or things that you can you can share with our audience that you've got coming up. Um, so um, obviously Evolution, our conference yeah. is coming up um, in a few weeks. And what we're going to do there, because the big... Um, final piece of our restructure was launching our tech what we have done over the last few months was just embedded that and only let people who were already using our services use the tech yeah the whole way the tech was built was as a business operating dashboard and for firms to be able to use it irrespective of if they needed our services or not so we're going to kind of launch that at the conference which should be nice and just kind of start to have those conversations um, but more broadly, the, the way I've kind of said to the team post restructure is in some shape or form, Verve via Parasols has been running for 14 years. But for me, this restructure means that we're almost back at day one. It's a brand new business. Reset. Yeah, a full yeah. reset, exactly that. So I'm I'm kind of working on our sort of big 10-year plan, which will kick off in January. Um, and I feel like I can be more... Um, optimistic and just more kind of punchy and aggressive with the stuff that I want us to achieve now that I've got a single entity to do it with and a completely yeah. scalable tech and team so yeah there's there'll be quite a lot coming <laughs> fantastic well I know we're going to be catching up at, at evolution as well you and I so I'm looking forward to that should be a, a brilliant brilliant event so 
hopefully we'll see some of the people listening and watching to this list there um but look thank you so much for joining me today it's been uh, fascinating chatting to you as always um i love i love what you do i love your enthusiasm and i love what you're doing to encourage people to come through in the industry and to support not just women but everybody that, that wants to be part of this so uh, let's build the tribe hey it's all, all good so thank you so much it was really good to yes, see you thank you uh, thanks very much everybody for listening um download the podcast from uh, wherever you can share it um and if you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming podcast uh, episode of the advisor show get in touch as well we're always looking for interesting people to talk to that's it from me and kathy thanks very much for listening <laughs>